0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington and my voice is back. I know last week I was having a little struggle with uh, just some hoarseness, but everything's better now. And in this episode, I'm going to talk to you about how long it took me to become, I guess, financially secure. And there's an email from Mark that sort of drove this this whole episode, and then Jan also sent a question in sort of uh, follow-up on one of the previous episodes, I think actually from, uh, you know what, I don't know what episode it is, but basically I'll answer a question from Jan, and you may remember Jan's name because he sent in uh, multiple questions in the past, and he was just touching base, trying to figure out um, a few things that I'm working on and or not working on, which is also important, I want to quickly thank the sponsor of the show, that is Ezoic, and their Site Speed Accelerator, which helps your website load a little bit faster. It'll help you get a Google Page Speed Insight score of over 80, which they guarantee. They say they want you to you know try it out for a week, see how it goes, and you can get a seven-day free trial. It makes a lot of things like the image optimization, lazy loading, CSS rendering, and all that stuff a little bit easier. And I highly recommend that you kind of get your site in uh, good shape before you try to optimize it with any tool. So this is, you know, not technically, it's not part of the read. This is just advice. So if you're trying to optimize your site, you need to make sure you have the proper hosting, Try to reduce image sizes beforehand if you can. There's a lot of tools that can do it like the SiteSpeed Speed Accelerator, but I like to kind of have a little more control personally. If you optimize the image size ahead of time, you do have a little more control. So the other tip as far as the SiteSpeed Speed Accelerator, you should integrate using the DNS integration versus a WordPress plugin which they do have available, but you'll end up with better optimization, better caching. You'll have the content delivery network, a CDN in place if you use the DNS integration. So use that. It may take a day or two to sync up the DNS, but essentially it's the same thing that you would be doing if you're using Cloudflare or CDN or any of the other CDNs that are out there. So thanks to eZoic, really appreciate it. So we got these few questions coming in and Mark sent this one in based on, I mean, he wanted to, um, he really wanted to hire me and we we were going to set up some consulting. I was going to audit his site, check things out. And then he said, Hey man, actually my job's been made redundant. I have a little bit of time to figure things out, but this is beyond my budget for right now. So we'll catch up later. And I was like, yep. Good luck. Totally understand. He followed up. And thanks, Mark, for, um, you know, writing a little bit more. And he was like, hey, I'm going to publish some more KGR content. I love your work. And I've read every blog post you've written. That's dedication. I don't even know if I've, I've read them all, Mark, to be honest with you, even if I wrote them. But He further says, if you don't mind me asking, how did you manage making the transition from being laid off to making enough passive income to be financially secure and how long did it take? My concern is that even if I go really hard at building websites, it'll take 12 or more months to generate enough income to support my family. Great question, Mark. There's a lot of little things baked into it and I'll unpack all of it. So I like how you asked a pretty direct question, so I'll be able to answer it pretty quickly. So how long did it take me to become financially secure? Now, really, um, i'm gonna I'm gonna change that to how long did it take to replace most of my income? we'll We'll say eighty percent because I was making I was making about a hundred thousand um, and some change. the time I got laid off. So I didn't need the full 100K to support and pay for my expenses. And my wife had a job as well. So technically I had a little bit more leeway, but we'll just say replace something like 80% of my income. So $80,000 or so. It took me, I think four to six months. Now, it's a lot more complicated than that. So it took me four to six months and it didn't fully replace my income, but it was enough to you know make me feel like, oh, I, I can do this. The big piece of the puzzle that's not mentioned here is I was blogging on Niche Site Project and trying to do some things on the side for two years before that. So I discovered making money online in 2013. In 2014, I dipped my toes uh, more into the whole you know, blogging sphere. And I, I wouldn't say I made a name for myself back then, but I was starting to get a little traction, which was cool. And honestly, after some quick initial success in 2013, I struggled with Google algorithm updates, Google penalties, trying to figure out, how the business was shifting. And a lot of people that were coming up around the same time as me, or that had been around for a while, also have to, had to shift. A lot of the niche sites, affiliate marketing, and a lot of the content and link building and SEO tactics that were working for several years, they stopped working in twenty, the end of 2013 through the sort of middle to end of 2015. And it's constantly shifting. I mean, this is a moving target. But a lot of the core pieces of the strategy of people that I was following, it shifted. They had to change what they were doing as well. So I was kind of struggling as a you know fledgling online entrepreneur, a blogger, and all that stuff. So I was dabbling for a couple of years. And now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, wow, it was only two years And then I got laid off. So I was dabbling on the side and then I got laid off. And for some reason, I was like, I I think I can do this because I knew that I had some months where I made as much as I made in my day job, which was, again, a pretty decent salary. So it only took me a few months. It only took me four to six months because I had a bunch of skills in place ahead of time and I New different areas where I could make money. So one of the mistakes that I made right after I got laid off is I spread myself too thin and I tried about five different business models that all could have worked fine. Some got really um, great traction in the beginning, but I realized I didn't really like doing it. So I knew I could work on affiliate marketing, of course. I had niche site project, so I can be an affiliate for digital products, which encompasses a lot of different content, a lot of different topics, which I was interested in. I could go the software route, which I decided not to. There were a couple service-based businesses that I knew were needed and that I had a little bit of recognition. I mean, people knew that I understood link building and guest posting to some extent. I also knew that, increasing the site speed, right? Site speed accelerator is coming up again. I mean, it was a thing that people were struggling with back then. And there are a lot of services that popped up that help people optimize the website speed. There's a process to it. It's pretty straightforward for most websites. People set things up poorly at the beginning. And if you know the script to follow, if you know the process, you have standard operating procedures, it's pretty straightforward to identify the biggest issues on someone's site and then, you know, speed them up. There were a couple like membership ideas, membership uh, site ideas where I knew a lot of people were working on these niche sites, but no one knows what we're talking about. If we Chat with people in the normal world. They don't understand SEO. They don't understand the affiliate marketing piece. So when you bump into people that get the lingo, they understand the struggles that you're going through. It kind of it feel it feels very welcoming. It's a community. So there were a couple ideas around that, and some of these I, I tried out, and you know they didn't really work out. Um, there's actually. I haven't caught up with these guys, but um, David and Lewis, I worked with them on a membership site way back. And that's one of the first times that I bumped into uh, Ron Stefanski. He's a good friend of mine now. So anyway, there were several ideas that I tried out. Um, I tried the service, service-based business with guest posting. That was probably one of the most successful areas right off the bat. A service-based business allows you to Go get clients, sell a thing, solve problems, and get paid right away. You can get paid before you're doing the work, typically, if you have enough trust built up out there, but you can get paid ahead of time. You can go implement, execute. If you need to hire people, if you're not specifically skilled in that area, you can technically go hire people and really serve as the manager and the project manager and manage the execution. So in my case, I was doing a lot of the execution for the guest posting service. I was doing the sales at the time. Again, I was blogging for a couple of years at that time. So I had an email list of, I can't remember if I had to guess, it was probably like three to 5,000, something like that. And it's enough, that's enough to have a six figure business. I mean, it depends on who's on your email list and what they're trying to buy. But if you have the right, people on the list that are interested in buying the things that you're selling, you could do really well. So really quickly, that guest posting service was pulling in um, a good amount of money. It was intensive as far as doing the work. However, in a lot of ways, it was repetitive, right? It was repetitive and it was something that could be outsourced. So I've talked about this in other blog posts and some other content that I've put out, But essentially, I had writers that could communicate well. They'd worked with me for a while. So I decided to bring them on to do the guest posting service with me, essentially as the outreach folks. So that worked really well. And slowly, I realized that I didn't want to run a service. I didn't want to deal with clients. I didn't want to have, I just didn't want to do that piece of it. And I think I'm actually decent at, Account management, client management, I did that for my day job. As a project manager, a lot of times you're dealing with a lot of different stakeholders. Many times it's on the client team. Sometimes it's sort of competitive, uh, other contractors that may be working for the same client as you, which is really typical. So you have to make sure you understand how to manage the politics, work with a client, make sure you understand what the client's trying to get, and work it out. Basically, communicate well, work things out, negotiate, figure out how to get shit working. So, technically, I had the right skills, but this is the big thing. I looked at the situation and I was like, okay, in 12 to 18 months, let's say everything's going awesome. Let's say I keep bringing on more clients each month, people have me on retainer and I'm continuing to work for them. I would need to hire more people to do the outreach. So, what does that look like? All of a sudden, when you draw that out, I extrapolated the, you know, the revenue. I looked at projections out in the future again, 12-18 months, I can't remember exactly. At the end of the day, it was very profitable. I would have to bring on, you know, several more people and essentially would have a team of outreach specialists, a couple managers to manage little teams and then I would essentially be out of the delivery portion and I could look at the visionary piece and manage the operations. On paper sounds good because I had done similar things on my teams at work, I realized I, I didn't want to build teams. I didn't want to have this whole whole org chart working underneath me, even if I was making great money, because it was just kind of stressful and I didn't enjoy working with the clients, even though I was, maybe I'm not great at account management. I don't remember what I said, but even though it was proficient, acceptable at client management, I was like, I don't want to do this all the time. This sucks. I, I really enjoy the more passive model. And this is another piece that Mark baked into the question here. He said, when did I make enough with passive income. Well, all the shit that I'm telling you about this, none of it was passive. Um, I had just gotten laid off. I was like, all right, now's a chance to try and go out on my own here. And I wanted to make sure I was doing a good job. It was not passive. I was busting my ass. I was working a lot trying to figure out, you know, what I needed to do to make enough money so that honestly, my wife would be like, all right, you can keep doing that. I mean, let's be real here. I mean, you're talking about, um, making enough money to support your family. And I don't know what your expenses are, but you know, ours were, were fine, but still, you know, my, my wife really wouldn't want to be the uh, full breadwinner when I'm just hanging around playing on my keyboard here, tapping some keys and clicking the mouse and messing around all the time. So, I was like, I need to get some stuff done. So it was not passive at all for quite a while. Moving forward, I did realize, hey, the affiliate model, it seems to be more hands-off once you get things running. Service-based business sucks um, as far as being able to treat it as something passive. Yes, you can set up a management team. You can make sure... You're only there as an owner and you don't even have, I mean, you could hire a CEO. You don't even have to provide the direction, but with that comes a lot of uh, responsibility that you're handing off and delegating. And then it comes with high salaries. I mean, if you're, if you're paying people that are competent, you probably will have to pay them a pretty good rate, especially nowadays, it's maybe it's a little bit different, but. Most jobs because of the quarantine and COVID are going to be remote to some capacity. I mean, you have a lot more flexibility nowadays. But just three, four, five years ago in 2015, maybe people would take a lower salary just to have the flexibility. But now you would have to, you know, show up and pay pretty good, pretty good demands of money, depending on what you're hiring for. So I know there's a lot of There's a big range on how much you pay people. So it wasn't very passive upfront. I did realize that the affiliate marketing piece was very good as far as the passive area. So I was continuing to put time in that. And then as you know, I mean, all the content that that I do on the podcast, YouTube, the blog, it's all related to affiliate marketing. So I, you know, from that standpoint, I needed to continue doing affiliate marketing and be good at it, and learn more. And I was putting more time into that. It ran the same time as when I was dabbling with KGR, sort of the small pieces, the building blocks of the KGR were coming to me through some of the folks I mentioned before. I talked about uh, Lewis uh, just briefly, and I'm not using their last names because some folks are off the radar a little bit. And uh, Shauna Newman, who's not off the radar, and I talked to her a few weeks ago. And basically... A lot of those little pieces were coming together around this time as I was struggling. I was honestly struggling, trying to figure things out, trying to figure out why some of the same strategies weren't working anymore and how to shift. Fast forward, I was figuring out things that worked, and then I was doing more of those things that worked for the affiliate marketing side. So as that revenue grew, um, so, so did everything else. And- I was cutting things off that I didn't like doing, so I realized that I was getting traction in certain areas. I realized that I didn't like the guest posting service, so I shut it down. It was the most profitable; it was in a six-figure um, revenue area within a few months, I would say. And I slowly shut it down and just quit doing it. I just I didn't enjoy it, and I didn't I didn't see a good future with it if I stuck with it. That was tough to do. Again, that was the like great profitable piece. Now, one thing I didn't mention is, I mean, I was uh, doing a lot of the work initially, but I, I honestly don't remember the the profit margin or the expenses, but I w- was paying, I think about 10 to 15 bucks an hour for the VAs that were helping me out. So I think my margins were still pretty good I know sometimes with a service-based business, you may end up with margins that are pretty thin and you don't have as much flexibility. I did and I started raising rates to uh, like work with that in mind to make sure, okay, if I have to hire people in the future, then I need to make sure I'm charging enough early on so I'm not in a spot where I have to like keep raising rates to existing clients. Of course, like I said, I shut, shut the whole thing down As far as making enough passive income on the Amazon affiliate side specifically, that took me, Mark, about a year. Maybe a little bit less, but somewhere around a year. Again, I kind of, you know, I had my head around what was working and what would be working, and I was shifting from my previous failures and the shift in SEO and just ranking and getting traffic. Now, nowadays, I I think that's still possible. And again, it depends on how much money you need. This is one of the core pieces that I've been talking about with the financial independence area. You need to understand your expenses on a, on a monthly, annual basis so that you understand how much money you actually need. And you may be able to trim here and there if you want to. I'm not a person who's ultra frugal. There's are certain areas that I don't spend really hardly anything. And then there's other areas where I really splurge and it's really important to me, like beer, for example. I'll spend a lot of money on beer and get like fancy beers and some people don't drink at all, which is totally fine. So I think I also want to reference the thousand day rule. And this is made popular by the Tropical MBA. You should check out that podcast if you haven't. I've done a couple shows on the thousand day rule, but the general idea is it'll take you about three years to replace your old full time income. There's gonna be, you know, the first year where you're kind of struggling. I kind of described that. Then the second year, you kind of get your stride. Things are going pretty well. And then the third year, you kind of understand what's going on and you can move in a better direction. Now, I wasn't working on all all my side hustles full-time for the first two years. And then the last year, I was able to pull it together pretty quick. Again, I had a lot of skills in place, so it made it a lot easier to piece together businesses that could stand alone, that could be successful, and that sort of thing. So if I'm giving you advice, Mark, I would say make sure you understand you know, those expenses. Definitely, definitely make sure it's correct. Some people will say, yeah, my expenses are probably whatever, $4,000 a month. And then if they go and they look at their credit card statements and they look back historically, it's sometimes way more than that. When you look back, you may be able to identify areas where you can save a little money. Again, I'm not here to tell you what to spend money on. Things are important to certain people and I can appreciate that. And I don't think you have to be ultra frugal or anything either. You can be, it makes things a little easier. You have more flexibility when you're, when you're a little more frugal or you just know what you wanna spend money on. So... If I'm giving you advice, if you need money in the sort of shorter term, you should probably do a service-based business. You'll be able to pull in money very quickly. You will have to go out and find uh, clients. If you have you know, no, no credentials, people don't know who you are, maybe your skills are still developing, right? Everyone hopefully is continuing to learn, get better at the things that they're doing. But if you're sort of on the early side of your digital marketing skills, that's okay. You can potentially try and you know work for people that are hiring freelancers that are willing to teach you a little bit. You can also go to, I mean, a marketplace like Upwork is probably the place that I would recommend off the bat. There's people that are trying to hire folks. You may not be able to charge as much as you want initially, but you'll be able to get reviews and build up your, credentials there on Upwork. You might, I mean, it's possible that you could launch your service business off of Upwork and, you know, bring on clients that way and solely find clients directly from Upwork. That is completely viable. This is one of the, you know, other sidebars, right? So I mentioned this a few episodes back where, I mean, if you have, an interest in sharing your story a little bit, start a blog, do a podcast, do YouTube, just pick one and, you know, start sharing your story a little bit. You don't have to be, you don't have to be very skilled as you can hear from me. I've gotten better. I I need to go back and listen to a few early episodes, but essentially people want to hear from you. I mean, there's a lot of folks out there that are, um, in a similar position as you, they want to hear your story. They can connect with you more on a personal level when you start sharing more. It's a little scary sometimes. People are assholes, you know. That's just the way the the uh, internet works out there. So, you know, I have YouTube comments and other emails that I've received that are just like "fuck you, doc," I hate you, and it's like, all right. There's nothing I could even do with that, but there's like some negative stuff out there. So you have to keep that in mind. But if you just have a thick skin, which it gets thicker over time and, you know, just rolls off my back, you'll be able to take action when you're ready. If you need to, if you are made redundant, like, you know, what Mark's going through here or other folks that have been laid off, you maybe have an option where you're like, Hey, things have shifted. I, I want to do a service business and I am pretty skilled in writing content I know how to do outreach I know how to speed up a website and you can reach out to your community and your audience and say all right I'm, I'm ready to you know solve problems for you you should definitely view it that way it's not hey I'm here to t- take money and uh, you know skip the nine to five at this point it's they have a problem you can help them solve it simple as that. I mean, you're solving problems. It gives you a huge amount of leverage and confidence after you've gone through a few iterations. And by the way, I mean, I tried to sell many things over time in the 2013 to 2015 time frame. And I mean, I always sold some copies of whatever I was trying to sell, but I learned things along the way. So again, if you have any tiny bit of interest starting a, a blog, doing anything, putting yourself out there gives you opportunities, and it will help you network in the future. So I have a lot of connections now, where I'm just surprised people even talk to me. To be honest with you, and if you, you you could do the same thing, all right? Because I had no skills in any of these areas, no no marketing chops. I didn't know anything about any of the stuff that I'm talking about now. Absolutely bananas. So. If you have a little more time, Mark, if you have a little bit more of a runway, you might be able to give it a little bit more uh, effort on the, you know, quote, passive side. I wouldn't bank on it. Um, it's, It's a, you know, it's a great area to experiment in. But if you're like, I have a deadline and I have to make X amount and money's pretty tight, I would probably just work on bringing in the money and working just like you have been before as on the side, work on your affiliate sites or whatever kind of business model that you're focusing on on the side. Hopefully you'll start gaining traction. And then like me, you'll be able to start putting in a little more time as the success grows. Hopefully it'll grow enough to replace your full-time income and you know, Uh, Hopefully, hopefully it'll be 12 to 18 months, but it could be a little longer and it depends on where you're at. You can definitely find good examples of people doing it in a shorter amount of time that is earning a a full-time income in an online venture. Many times you will find a pretty close alignment of previous skills that they had or they had a head start. So I mentioned four to six months, I was blogging and doing other stuff for two years before that. Um, when you hear people who maybe they pull together a content, um, a content team really quickly, and they happen to have worked as a, uh, like a content manager on a magazine website. It's like directly in their wheelhouse. They know exactly what to do or someone who's an SEO and then they decide, Hey, I'm going to build my first affiliate site, but they've been doing SEO for 10 years. They can definitely shortcut the process and do things a little bit faster. So keep that in mind. And if you have any skills from your day job, figure out, is there some parallel? Can you take some of those skills, apply them to a different area? In the digital marketing space, and then make it work. I'm a project manager, right? I could have done a project management for companies doing uh, digital marketing because I had you know that sort of interesting combo that is kind of rare. Usually, IT project managers make good money and they stick in that area, and uh, either they you know keep keep moving up the uh, the food chain there and become directors and uh, vice presidents and stuff, or like me, you know. You're not super, you're not super awesome in the corporate environment. So I was just like a uh, content right there in the middle management area. You can kind of slip through the cracks. <laughs> no one pays much attention. You got good salary, good benefits. You can delegate a lot to your team. And as long as you don't uh, fuck up too bad, your managers uh, don't really care. Sure. In the consulting area, a lot of times they want to keep pushing you to get promoted, but as you move higher up, there's just fewer positions. So if they keep pushing you, like it doesn't, it doesn't quite make sense um, for the upper out situation. At least at the place I was working, I mean, it was an okay, it was an okay consulting company, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, one of the the folks that's, that are really sought after. So, Mark, I hope this was helpful. Good luck to you and your family. When I, what I I find as long as people keep pushing and keep sort of working in the same area and grinding it out, if you stick with it long enough, you can uh, survive it and you'll probably be successful. It's rare where someone is trying, especially in the affiliate marketing area, if they're really trying and they're trying to not make the same mistakes over and over again, typically it works out. They do pretty well. Before I get to the Niche Website Builders Q&A segment, I need to plug my own course. That was, it came out this week. So if you're listening to this episode when it's you know recently released and published, HARO Backlinks is out, HARO Backlinking. So HARO is Help a Reporter Out. And I've talked about this and had a few guests mention it as well. So if you wanna build free white hat backlinks to your site without cold emailing people, Haro is probably something you could check out. And some of the basics are pretty straightforward. So you can go to Haro, you can sign up, create an account, start getting the emails and start replying back. However, there's some key things that you should think about and that's what I go through in the course. How to reply quickly, a format that works well, And one thing I'll note is I've been using Haro as the reporter. So I've been requesting people to send me um, their basically source information and I'll link back to their website. So I've been testing it out from both sides. There's also just the the management and figuring out how to deal with all these emails. And you want to have sort of a format that you could reply back. So the reporters might actually use your response. Of course, that's the goal. So one thing that I've been doing that I haven't talked about at all is flipping this whole thing on its head. Like I said, I'm using Haro as the reporter. So that means I'm putting in a request, asking people to give me information, and then I'll publish it on my website. So this is the reverse HARO technique. And you could probably kind of figure out, you know, what I'm doing, but there's a couple key pieces. Again, if you try this, it's highly likely that you'll be overwhelmed with the responses that you get. You may have some issues when you put in a source request, and that is the term that's used on HARO for the request that reporters put in. It's called a source request. So there's some things you can't put in there or it'll be rejected. And I had a couple rejected that I didn't realize I was violating any of the uh, the rules. So there's a few things that you need to pay attention. Then I've been able to get some awesome links. You're probably, you're thinking, why are you doing this, Doug? Why do you need people to send you responses? So I tested this out and I've kind of refined it. I can share some results and I'm I'm opening hrefs right now and I see I have a backlink with a site with a DR of 21. I have another backlink with a DR of nine, DR of 39, a DR of 46, 27, and one of 76. So across these, if I counted right, that's six backlinks probably only took me a couple hours max to get these backlinks and it cost me zero dollars. I did this work myself, but it would be something that you can easily outsource. And it's honestly been amazing so far. So there's a few few ways that you can get some links from Haro. Highly recommend you check it out. Even if the course is not for you, um you can get the launch week discount. So that is through October 23rd. And then after that, it goes back to regular pricing. So there's four units, about 19 videos. I think it's probably, a. am not sure how much uh, like length of time, but this is one of those courses where you can buy it today. There's a link in the show notes here. And watch all the videos today, sign up for Haro today, and start getting emails tomorrow morning, most likely, and see what you could work out. There's a few other great success stories that I share on the sales page and you should check it out. So check out my Haro back, backlink, uh, backlinking. Is that what I called it? Haro link building. Sorry. Haro link building rolls right off the tongue. So I think people are going to find some, some pretty cool results. And I'm interested to see what the students can do after they've run through the material. Speaking of backlinks, I do have a campaign, a shotgun skyscraper campaign running with niche website builders who are indeed the sponsor of the Q&A segment. So I'm gonna go through a few questions in a second, but I do owe a bit of an update. So it's been a couple, a few months since they've been they've been working on it. In September, um, I have eight links that were built. And then in October, six links. So there are 14 total. The average domain rating is about 62 and I can see my dashboard they're working on a what I would call a sexier dashboard. So I'm not sure um, who they they have working on it, but it looks much better than the you know standard tracking sheet that, they were using before, which it had all the information, to be honest with you. But right now, like, it looks like they've hired a a pro uh, dashboard and analytics person to put this stuff together. So I just, I snuck in here to, to have a quick look and they've been working on it for three months. I think this is one of those campaigns where everyone needs to know that the first month they publish content. The second month, they start building the backlinks Um, along the way. In those two months, they are warming up the email addresses and publishing the content and all that stuff. So you really need to do a campaign like this for at least three months, and you should probably stick on longer than that. I'm using the budget plan, and that means they email 1,200 prospects each month, so that's You know, pretty good number. And there's a lot of sort of pending backlinks out there and people that we may be able to work with, but they're handling all that. And it is very much a white glove, fully outsourced situation, and it's been going really well. I should mention also that this was a brand new site. So I started the site in July. They started working on this campaign in August. So right away, starting starting to get some uh, backlinks. And those, again, didn't show up until September. So there's one month of like preparation, getting things ready. Outreach begins the second month and continues on from there. So I'm happy with with what they're doing overall. Very good. You guys did a great job. Still doing a great job. So check them out. You can get a 10% discount on their, uh, any of the backlinking packages. And then if you want to, they do content as well. That is actually a super popular area. Highly recommend their, their content. I have a standing order of 20,000 words. So you should check them out. A couple questions for the niche website builders Q&A segment. So Adrian is uh, asking this. So this is um, a question that was sent in. Just someone's asking about building a website on an expired domain. On an expired domain. I have tried in the past, but I did things all wrong. I was actually trying to do uh, like a case study and experiment. And this was, I think in the 2014 time frame. So I did all the 2014 backlinking, stupid backlinking techniques. I was using web 2.0s. I was using as many private blog network links as I could get my hands on. And those sites were all penalized. Pretty sad because that could have been like sort of a a huge case study where it was very clear or not clear that expired domains work well or it just depends on the specific domain but i think i had garbage domains and then i did garbage link building and it was a huge mess wasted a lot of time i probably i don't remember i feel like maybe i spent you know, five to eight thousand dollars over the course of a few months on that, which you know, it's sad when when the site gets penalized after that, or sites in this case, because I was trying to run a few things in parallel there. So, man, what a mess! I do know that there are a few expired domain case studies going on. I hope I can share those with you publicly sometime coming up soon, but we'll see how it goes. Of course, we want to see some results before before we uh, start talking about it. It is a little risky in some areas, but if you are looking out on these expired domains and understand what the red flags are and how to avoid them, you should be in okay shape. Worst case scenario, I think, I mean, if you're publishing good content, worst case scenario, you have to move the content to another domain. You could obviously waste money on buying an expired domain, but I would say the best case scenario is instead of building on an expired domain is find a blog that has been around for a little while and is generally under monetized. Sometimes people lose interest. Sometimes people are not making much money and it's literally, you know, costing them money each month and they just don't know what to do. Maybe they did put a lot of time into it, but they don't realize that, if they publish content that actually could earn a little bit more money, then they'd be in great shape. So if you have those skills and you understand, you can put ads on certain content and make good money. Maybe you can find specific brand deals with companies that have an affiliate program. Maybe you could find digital products that they you know, just haven't covered, but are in their niche and would be perfect. Like if you could find a website like that, that hasn't been expired, that has always been out there uh, running and by that, potentially you could just turn that around and start publishing content there and you have a much, I think, lower risk because most likely it has ne- never been used for spam or anything like that. Another question from uh, Ali says, is the keyword golden ratio applicable for other affiliate programs? So essentially the keyword golden ratio is just a, Long tail keyword strategy, so it works for any kind of content. It doesn't matter if it's an affiliate program. I happen to talk about Amazon affiliate uh, quite quite a bit, but it, it'll work for any affiliate program. It'll work for any kind of content. So it's completely agnostic to how you're monetizing. It is an SEO keyword research tool. That is all. So yes, you could use it for other affiliate programs, Ali. The last question is around themes. It's a common question out there. People want to know what theme should I use? And honestly, it doesn't matter too much. I personally use the Focus WordPress theme on most of my sites, and I also use a theme called Carbonate on uh, a couple others, but I'm just sort of testing it out. The Focus WordPress theme is built on the thesis framework, and that's one of the sort of original premium themes out there for WordPress and I love the fact that both of these themes are fast loading, pretty minimal, and they put the content up front. The downside with Carbonate is there's no support, unfortunately, so it's a very lean theme. It's uh, quick to set up, it's very fast to load, but I ran into issues because I don't have a strong coding background in PHP, so I did a few customizations and then reached the limit of what I knew how to do. And at that point, it became very frustrating and I couldn't do much more with it. So for a pretty basic site where you don't have to you know, tweak or change things too much, Carbonate is fantastic. The Focus WordPress theme has excellent support. However, once you purchase it, there are annual subscription fees that you have to pay to get the updates and support. However, the support is really awesome. And uh, Chris Pearson, who I've interviewed on this podcast, he's um, sometimes logged into my site to help me fix um, some odd issues here and there. So it's uh, I think it's a lean team over there <laughs> at uh, DIY Themes. As far as I know, it's Chris. And then he manages all the customer support himself. There's a few people in the forum that are like developers that pretty much exclusively work on WordPress and they work exclusively sometimes just using thesis. So they're expert in experts in those areas and they're able to give really good advice if you need it. And, you know, those are the themes that I use. There's a bunch of others out there that are actually free where you can use like the most basic versions of maybe something like uh, Genesis and generate press one there's a there's a few others that have premium versions premium sort of skins and overlays that help you customize the exact template that you want to use for the theme but the vanilla version is free many times those load pretty fast especially with the vanilla version the thing that i don't like are the themes that are really bloated that are trying to do everything page builders are a nightmare, really don't like using page builders. And I would rather have something that puts the content up front and I want the theme to stay out of the way. So those are the principles that I have. And the thing is, um, when you see people often talking about those page builders or other themes and their affiliates for those themes, you will hear them talk about how important it is to have all this flexibility. I'm an affiliate for the two themes that I just mentioned, which, um, you know, can you trust me? I don't know. But the thing is, it doesn't really matter. I'm not telling you, you have to use this theme or that. Usually it's whatever theme that you have and that you're comfortable using, as long as it loads quickly. So that's one thing that you do have to look out for. And that, uh, I think that's all the questions for, the niche website builder segment here, definitely check out my HARO uh, link building course. I think uh, if you're looking for a way to truly build white hat links and get featured in sometimes very large publications, HARO is really the way to go. Now, I I will give a, a little caveat. If you have an ultra specific or a very sort of unusual topic area for your website, you may not see as many good prospects, people that are trying to get information for their stories as reporters. If it's a topic that is just not covered that often, if you keep looking, something may bubble up, but if it's super obscure, you may have a hard time finding it. But all the things that I'm, you know, typically interested in and and talking about with uh, potential niches, I've mentioned, uh, photography and videography and YouTube in the past. I've talked about uh, what's one of the other ones. Oh, beer. Of course. Yeah. Like uh, home homebrewing beer, like those sort of topics are popular and there's a lot of uh, buzz about them. People want to, you know, potentially cover beers and breweries and, you know, YouTube is huge. People talk about those areas. So if you have a broad enough website, you're probably going to have pretty good luck. If it's super narrow, it may be few and far between for those requests. But the thing is, if you are, you know, looking at the price of the course, it is cheaper than the cost of hiring a service to do link building for you. And um, here's the other thing to sort of pull together many of the topics for today. So A service-based business is probably the quickest way to start earning money fast. If you enjoy executing, running a a team, a service-based business may be perfect for your personality. Not great for me. Don't wanna really work on that kind of stuff myself. But it's a very cool thing. You could start a Haro link building service. There are some of them out there and they charge a pretty decent chunk of change. The model that I've seen out there is you are only paying the company if they land a link for you. So there may be some onboarding or some other details, but the pricing I saw was roughly like $400 for one link. So if they land a link for you, it's 400 bucks. If they don't land any links for you, then you're, you're not paying for it again. It seems like that could be a little fuzzy. I would imagine there is some onboarding because there is work required. So with that said, you could start a Haro link building service because it's tedious. I recommend that you would take the course, figure out how to do it effectively before you sell a service. I, it always makes me sick to my stomach when I hear people talk about creating a service, without knowing how to do it. You know, you hear these stories and I've seen I mean this is terrible. I've seen courses on this where someone's like, "Hey, start an SEO company. You sell the SEO service and then you just go hire a company to do the link building for you where you're purely a middleman salesperson." So, in that case again, it makes me sick to my stomach. So, if you if you get the Haro link building course, you do want to make sure you're skilled in the process and then you potentially can go out there and create a service where you're you're doing this each month and as a tip maybe i could turn this into a longer episode as a brainstorming activity but basically i think you if you're running a, a hard link building service there should be a monthly fee each each month there's some charge because there's some work being done each month whether or not links are landed. And then if any links do show up, there's a bonus uh, component in there. So maybe it wouldn't be $400 per link, but maybe there is a, I'm just making it up, maybe it's $80 a month for a person to sign up, set your site up, monitor the inbox, and reply back on your behalf. So just a little bit of an idea. And I do want to go back to uh, Mark's question and my answer where I said four to six months, it's key to note. So it was like four to six months when I hit that range where it was 80% of my income. But as I mentioned, I didn't like doing the service-based business. So I shut that portion down. So when I shut the revenue down in that area, the, the earnings went back down. So I ramped up other areas, and as I mentioned, I was doing a few things in parallel. So it was sort of just a kind of a steady growth overall. There was a, either stagnation or a bit of a dip when I stopped doing the link building, guest posting service, but that was that was completely expected because I turned off a revenue generating piece of the business. Tough decision to make, but definitely the right one when I look back. So if you have any questions out there feedback at doug.show. It's perfect to give me ideas that I can talk about them. It helps me create episodes where I can specifically sometimes help you just like uh, with uh, Mark here. So, and I was going to talk about uh, some other areas with a question from Jan, who's been in a few episodes before, but I think I may hold off on a full answer until later. I'm gonna give you a little teaser though. So Jan asked why I wasn't outsourcing the parts of the job, the parts of my business that I find boring, that I find routine. Why don't I just build a team and they can manage their own tasks, they could be a self-managing team and I gave part of the answer today with, uh, what I mentioned about the service-based business, but it's just a little bit more work. It's a little bit more stress. And I think I could turn this into a full episode and, and dive in a little bit deeper, but I did want to mention it. Cause I think in the intro, I mentioned yawn and then I ended up, rambling on for a bit here. So I'm going to end in this episode here, and then I'll I'll check in with Jan's question a little bit deeper in an upcoming episode. So we'll catch you on the next one. Have a great uh, day and morning week out there. luck. All you have to do is go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates. If you happen to not be subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe and don't forget... I welcome your questions. So you could send uh, your emails to feedback at doug.show. I got that really cool domain, doug.show. That's it. So feedback at doug.show. Or I'm going to leave my voicemail number in the show notes. So all you have to do is give me a buzz, leave a voicemail, and then I'll potentially put you on the air. So looking forward to it, and we'll catch you next time.